0: Who's this? I'm Mr. Busnick's anger management therapist. You're in anger management? Uh, temporarily. Dissembling is a common tool of the anger junkie. Dave, you have a disease. Would you apologize if you were a diabetic? Of course not. So why do you feel you have to apologize because you're suffering from TAS? Um, TAS? Toxic anger syndrome. I don't have TAS. He's angry. It's a sickness, not a crime.
1: I received a phone call from someone who didn't know how to interact with his co-worker. Now, this coworker isn't just someone who was a nag. Isn't someone who just gets under your skin and, oh, they talk too much about their kids. This was someone who was paranoid and acted weird, strange. And the boss said he has issues. Now... The co workers all had problems with him. They went to the boss. The boss tells them, Oh, just ignore him. He's got issues. You know, just don't pay any attention to him. The boss totally was putting blinders over his own eyes. Will something happen at this scene? I don't know. Did I have all the information to give this person an answer of what to do in this type of situation? I had a little because I've been to some conferences, but with me today is Dr. James Campbell, who has a ton of information. He is the Rhode Island Coordinator for the American Psychological Association and the American Red Cross Disaster Response Network, and he's a frequent consultant to corporations regarding crisis response and threat of violence, so that means if you're at work and something's on you could call dr. James Campbell he is the director of the University of Rhode Island Counseling Center and on top of this you've got a very full life dr. Campbell he teaches courses in traumatic stress and workplace violence and he's also the author of a book hostage terror and triumph welcome to the show
0: thank you very much
1: so what do you, what would you tell that person that person's calling up on the phone saying I don't know how to handle it. I'm afraid of this guy. I am afraid I said, Are you afraid that something really dramatic might happen? He said, Yes. Yes. You know, we're talking about death or the guy coming in with a gun and shooting sure. people. The guy's pretty much of a loner. So first, what are the signs that you could look for in this type of a situation?
0: Well, there's there's a number of red flags you, you look for. Psychologists tend to not be incredibly successful at predicting violence but nevertheless there's a number of red flags I call them that you look for that raise your level of concern and one is already clear in the story you told that someone's feeling afraid you pay attention to that uh... if someone you is, mean the
1: co-workers exactly. it's not just one coworker; it's several right and the guy's paranoid right and so he's always you know, accusing them you did this to me you did this I'm telling the boss
0: right and that's another red flag that someone is blaming others for all their misfortune. Then that goes to make it easier for them to say, well, they deserve to be hurt. And so uh, you're on a you're on a roll there. Um so what is being afraid, paranoia someone who has a very angry, inflexible, rigid kind of personality, uh, if someone has you know, lots of experience or familiarity with weapons uh, or fascination with weapons or bombs or things of that nature. That sounds someone, pretty obvious, yeah. Yeah, if, yeah, some of these are pretty obvious, right. right. And, uh, but also if someone is sort of despairing, you know, their yeah. life is crumbling around them, a spouse is leaving them, financial problems, they might get fired. So there's little left yeah, to lose. Exactly. They can go on a shooting spree. Exactly. If you have someone with nothing to lose, then you want to worry more.
1: And someone that's using drugs or alcohol?
0: Absolutely, because that reduces their ability to control impulses and puts them at greater risk. Um, and, and also the obvious one, if they're making uh, threats. Either veiled or direct. Could mostly. you
1: give Could you give an example of a situation that you've been in or you've been involved in that where they are making those type of threats?
0: Yeah, there was uh, a company where an employee said, "Well, um, if if you close this department, um, some of these people are going to pay." And so, when six eight months later, there was a corporate decision to close that department, unrelated to this gentleman. Um Then people remembered this statement and got worried um, because you are he's making a conditional threat, and then they were f- f- fulfilling the condition, right And so it was time to intervene and uh, assess you know what was the level of uh, potential threat there, and how do you defuse it?
1: so how what do you do in that situation? If you came on the scene, if this were my factory and I wanted to close this department, what would you do? People right. are all up in arms. They're worried that yep. this guy, you cannot close our department. He's going to kill our families. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what has gone through their minds? The first
0: step, of course, would be to assess. What do we know? What what has happened already? what's What's been said? Was the company done... What are some of the red flags that exist with this individual in terms of, you know, the weapons and substance abuse and despair and and interpersonal behavior and support system and, and on and on, and get a better sense of the level of risk. And then people take different approaches. Some just... Uh, resort to sort of high protection security approach. Um, I will certainly utilize that, but I also believe in the value of making direct contact with the subject.
1: And what would you say? Say I'm the subject. I'm the guy that's uh, the loner, or I'm Mm -hmm. this particular guy who just said, you close this, this is going to be trouble.
0: Yeah usually by telephone, sometimes in person, would contact them and tell them exactly who I am. I'm a consultant hired by ABC Company to help in situations where there's a conflict between employee and management and I wanted to hear your side of the story and, and over a series of contacts, phone calls, build a relationship with them um, and you'd be surprised at how open people typically are about what they're thinking and feeling and planning and then I'm able to get a better sense of what their needs and worries are, how we can help resolve this in a way that preserves their dignity, does not increase their level of uh, desperation, and and yet meets the needs of management. And it can take usually some weeks, sometimes months even, to sort that out in a way that is satisfactory to everyone. Uh, what will companies will otherwise sometimes do is just, you know, call the person in, you're fired, get out of here, and that kind of thing.
1: And, you're going to get it.
0: Yeah, and you may have inadvertently increased the my
1: level. wife left me. Right. I don't see my kids anymore.
0: Okay, exactly.
1: And this is it. This is the final straw. Yeah. I can't take it anymore. What do you do in that moment?
0: Um, if they are at a very high risk, then you may take um, security precautions. You may move potential targets to a hotel. Mm-hmm. You may, um, you know, call on law enforcement or private security. Um, those kinds of things. But most. Of Most of the time, it doesn't get that far if you start, particularly if you have the opportunity to start early enough.
1: Okay, so you you try to diffuse the, exactly. the hostile person. Right. And you let him tell his story from his perspective, and I'm saying his, it could be a her, from his or her perspective in order to yes. feel more exactly. visible.
0: You tell this story, engage them, find out what their needs. Say they're worried about losing health care because of a sick child. Okay, you work with the company. Maybe we can extend their health care beyond what's typical. Uh, what else can we do? What You know, those kinds of things. And to keep them feeling, if not grateful, at least like, okay, I'm being treated with dignity and I'm being heard.
1: And to to reduce their sense of there's nothing left to lose. Exactly. Right. Create right. options for it. Yeah. Them. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us today. This is Dr. James Campbell, and he is the... Rhode Island coordinator for the American Psychological Association, American Red Cross Disaster Response Network. And he's someone that you could call. If you're a corporation, how could they get in touch with you, Dr. Campbell?
0: Oh, well, um, they could uh, simply uh, call, I suppose, uh, 401-243- because five,
1: five, you work on the national level, you work with corporations, you teach, you actually teach workplace violence, not, That's you don't right. teach how to cope with workplace violence. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, well, thank you so much for joining it's us been today. a pleasure. Thank you. And hopefully you've got some good coworkers that you're working um, with. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, my show's The Rational Basis of Happiness. You can always call me toll free 1 877 DRKENNER.
0: Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the Serious Romance Guidebook by clinical psychologist
1: Dr. Ellen Kenner and Dr. Edwin Locke. One way to actively and respectfully listen to your partner is to check for misunderstandings. When your partner finishes talking, briefly summarize what you heard, then add, did I hear you correctly that and repeat their words. You want to explore inconsistencies. You say you're okay, but you seem so disappointed. What's really on your mind? Ask for specific examples if your partner uses vague language. If your partner says, you never do anything right, you can follow up with, something specific I did must really be bothering you. Tell me what it is.